Your pain, you ready? Yeah. Main, let's lock and load. Yeah. Just blaze. Yeah. No, turn me up. Yeah. Hey, I think we got one. Yeah. Here we go. Tell me what do you see? He overcame abandonment and poverty and anger and now stands as one of the most promising tight ends in the NFL. Growing up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, he had no advantages. His father was out of the picture, and his mother could barely make ends meet. His family had to live in a car for a while, and his anger over his circumstances often boiled over. He was constantly in trouble in school, and he spent much of his time in alternative schools. But finally, in his freshman year, the coach presented him with a $10 bill and a choice and his life was changed. He went on to become an All-American at Clemson, the winner of the Mackey Award as the best tight end in the country and a third-round draft pick of the Colts. He expected to go higher, though, and he's had a chip on his shoulder ever since. And despite an impressive rookie season, still feels he has a lot to prove, which is good news for the Colts. It's an amazing story of triumph, so let's tackle it. I'm Mark Monteith, and I'm going one-on-one with Dwayne Allen. This is one-on-one with Mark Monteith on 1070 The Fan. Brought to you by Georgetown Market, Indy's family-owned natural food store since 1973. Movie Time Video Productions, they make your memories last forever. All right, today's one-on-one episode comes to you from the fifth floor studios at Demos Communications downtown on the Circle. We're here with the Colts. These Colts guys are hard to get in the studio, but we got Dwayne Allen, the second-year tight end from Fayetteville, North Carolina. He's got a great story to tell. Uh, Dwayne, uh, your story is an instructional story I think a lot of people will be able to benefit from hearing about. And I know you've talked about it before on some live radio appearances. Uh, We're going to record it now for posterity for all time but um i'd like to hear again about your childhood just tell us how you grew up in fayetteville and what was life like around the household for you oh man for me it goes back to uh 1990 that's when i was born i'm the youngest of seven siblings five girls two boys my mom had my older sister when she was 12 had me when she was 21 and it was tough. No father figure growing up. Just my mom and my other siblings. And she raised us well and definitely to the best of her ability. My uh, grandma helped out whenever she could. But for the most part, it was all on my mom. And my mom at the time, when I was really young, she worked with the inner city youth and she mentored teens that were pregnant because she definitely could relate yeah she experienced that (laughs) (laughs) um from there she went into parks and recreation department with the city of Fayetteville and she worked with the youth then and through that she got us into different athletics played a little baseball dabbled in a little football didn't enjoy it much that's when I, I found a basketball and started dribbling around a basketball for the first time. Going forward, uh, I, I was always in trouble in school. Were you kind of an angry kid because, you know, your dad's not in the picture? And- was was a very angry kid and was always searching for some type of attention. 
good or bad. Attention was attention to me growing up. So I did whatever I could to to get it. If I needed to cuss a teacher out, throw some chairs, throw desk over, disrupt multiple classrooms, then I did that to get the attention. And mm. there were frequent visits to my school from my mom having to come and get off work to check me out or pick me up because the school didn't want me in, in, in class anymore or or my mom, uh, she would check me out, give me a spanking, and then check me right back in and <laughs> just to straighten me out for the time being. But uh, we, we, we grew up and uh, lived in the projects, and my mom got a job. Uh, she switched from the Parks and Recreation Department to the uh, heavy equipment side. And that, that was tough for her because there weren't many women working in the heavy equipment side, uh, the heavy equipment operation side for the city of Fayetteville. And she was uh, one of few. So she started out uh, driving street sweepers. Once she did that, we were able to move out of the projects, but what seemed like into a rougher neighborhood. <laughs> it didn't get better. Huh? <laughs> no, it didn't. And uh, it seemed like the older I got, the worse my behavior got. Yeah. I was always in trouble. Did you have any kind of relationship with your father? Uh, Ever no. meet him or met him a couple times, but wasn't for very long and never developed any type of relationship. Mm -hmm. Would you say that was kind of the foundation of your anger? Uh, possibly, possibly. I, I'm not sure to this day mm -hmm. <laughs> what was really. Uh, what was really the, the foundation of my anger. But, you know, my mom did the best job she could with raising seven kids on her own. She worked multiple jobs. Um, at one point, she was working three jobs, uh, was afforded working for the city during the day, delivering pizzas at night, answering phones for some other company, uh, some other time, you know, just to make ends meet. One of the hardest working human beings I've ever known, mm -hmm. um, not just women. Let's see, uh, we decide to move out of that neighborhood, and uh, this is probably when I'm uh, I'm around 10 or so, and, man, we were, we were homeless for a little while, and lucky enough, my mom had a little station wagon. My oldest two sisters were out of the house, so it was just five of us, and Shoot, we were shacking up at my grandma's house in the car some nights. Um, You'd have five kids and your mother in a car? Yeah, yeah, in a station wagon. How do you sleep yeah. in that kind of situation? Oh, man. I tell you what, I learned I can fall asleep standing up right now. <laughs> I, I, I can fall asleep at any moment. Any of my friends would tell you. I, we'll be on the bus. We'll be anywhere and Dwayne will be knocked out in a moment's notice like. <laughs> we were just talking about your red eye flight back from LA last week and I was saying that I don't sleep on planes but apparently you can do that huh? yeah 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 I as soon as the plane as soon as the door closes, my eyes are shut and I'm snoring yeah <laughs> so you're used to sleeping in close quarters definitely, huh? definitely wow who you know when your mother was working all those jobs you know who's kind of taking care of things at home you know uh, is it an older sister brother or my oldest sister 
wasn't charged, but she was in that teen age where she wanted to do her own thing and kind of fell into the same hole as my mom did and was pregnant as a teen. And she ended up having a child uh, pretty early, not as early as my mom, um, put around uh, 15, 16. And, and so uh, she was doing her own thing. My second oldest sister, uh, the same thing. So, you know, we kind of just learned to take care of ourselves mm. and, and, and definitely fend for our own. So we ended up finding a place near my grandma, right down the street, which was great. And we moved in and started at a new school and thought everything was going to be different. But uh, same old, same old. Uh, continued to get in trouble and get kicked out of school. Then uh, here comes middle school. I'm playing basketball and I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, had aspirations of playing on the middle school basketball team. But, man, it was like I could never stay in school long enough. Always got in trouble and got kicked out. Always got in trouble and got kicked out and uh, sent to the alternative school. And, shoot, by by eighth grade, uh, you know, because I got got kicked out sixth grade, uh, almost made it a basketball season. (laughs) Was Um, you to get kicked out in sixth grade? Man, fighting and disrupting. You know, I was was always the class clown. I love to make people laugh, love to make people laugh. I believe that's one of the – gifts that God blessed me with. And uh, so uh, I would entertain the class and even entertain the teachers sometimes, most times, but uh, I didn't know when to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so whenever the teacher would uh, ask me to stop, that's when, you know, Dwayne Attitude would come on and I would cuss and say this and that, get kicked out of class and someone else might say something to me and I might blow up on them. And all of a sudden, uh, my stand-up comedy show turned into a three-round UFC fight, you know, mm. that easily. And so then uh, that was sixth grade. In seventh grade, I came back with a better attitude because uh, the, the alternative school did work. It, it did help uh, rehabilitate me. And I still had my old habits of wanting to entertain. And so seventh grade year, it wasn't no fights. It was just uh, I feel like the school – had less patience with me knowing that I had came uh, back from the alternative school. And so it was uh, three strikes, and it didn't matter the magnitude of the strikes. Uh, I remember one write-up my seventh grade year was for, uh, like, chewing gum, and the teacher told me to spit it out, and I didn't. You know, but it was three, boom, back to the alternative school, mm-hmm. which I like. I you know, I, I enjoyed the teachers there, the teachers – uh, really cared about the students and and showed that they they wanted those students to do well. And you, you know, got to be really serious as a teacher if you're working in an alternative school. Oh, That's yeah. hardcore because you're you're working with students who have some of them beat up teachers, uh, some of them stabbed other students. There's no school bus uh, provided, no transportation to the school provided. So you're 12, 11 years old, hopping on a city bus. Uh, going across town, getting to school on your own, walking through metal detectors and getting patted down every day before classes. Of course, going to lunch and everything's plastic. <laughs> yeah, they don't no want weapons. To, yeah, no <laughs> weapons. They don't want you stabbing anyone. But yeah, uh, those teachers really did care about the students, and I'm, I'm very thankful to them. And had an opportunity to go back and speak, and but. Yeah. Uh, 
So, yeah, I got kicked out uh, seventh grade year, eighth grade year. I was just like, you know what? This is my year. This is this is my time. I'm I'm going to make it to basketball season. Be a star. Man, I didn't make it to football season that year. <laughs> didn't make it to football season. Uh, Another fight? Yeah. Uh, nah, just uh, very short patience. Very short patience with me. And I, I had a couple instances where I, I was caught entertaining and – the teachers didn't like me entertaining, and it was one, two, three, Dwayne, you're gone. It's, so when you talk about entertaining, you would just, what, get up at the start of class and, and tell jokes? or Tell jokes, or maybe it's something the uh, teacher said that I thought was funny and thought, you know, I should add a little emphasis to that, you know, <laughs> or bring notice to it so the class could get a laugh also. And, you know, she didn't. They didn't think that it was too funny yeah. by that time. So gotcha. got sent back to the alternative school. But, you know, I, I like I said, I enjoyed my time there. So it, it was all right. By eighth grade, you know, I was, it was home. It was home. <laughs> I was used to wearing the uniform. And I, you I had to wear a uniform, to, huh? Yeah. yeah. I was used to, you know, going through the metal detectors and getting patted down. And so it wasn't a big deal to me by that by that age. Allen gets a lifeline in the form of a $10 bill when one-on-one continues. Back to one-on-one, Mark Monteith here with Colts tight end Dwayne Allen. He was nothing but trouble throughout junior high school, but it all turned around for him as a freshman in high school, when finally a man made an investment in his life. That second week is when the coach approached you in the hallway, right? Correct. This is a classic story. This would be a great scene from a movie. <laughs> second week of school, man, I'm, I'm already thinking in my head, like, well, Dwayne, you ain't going to be here too long. Might as well have fun. Uh, had expectations of playing on varsity basketball that year, but you know, it just didn't just didn't seem like I was going to be able to make it to basketball season. But I was walking to gym one day, and the uh, head football coach was in his first year, and he was brought in to turn Terry Sanford's program around. But uh, I'm walking to gym, and I walk past his office, and he sees me walk past, and he hops up out of his desk and runs into the hall, and. You know, the area that I was from, we had little to no interaction with white people, especially white males. And here he is standing 6'5", 270 pounds, was an All-American at East Carolina. Mm. Um, What's his name? Wayne Inman. Wayne Inman. He yells out to me. He's like, hey, where are you going? I was just like to the gym. He was like, what's your name? Dwayne Allen. What's your name? He's like, well, I'm Wayne Edmond, head football coach. I was like, oh, nice to meet you. He was like, you play football? I said, no, sir. I'm a baller. He said, well, baller, with your apparent you know, height and athletic ability, since you're a baller, I feel like you'd make a heck of a football player. Shoot, might even play on Saturdays. And I was just like, 
play on Saturdays. What what does that mean? You know? But uh, he said, hold on one second. And he walked off. So when he walked off, that was my opportunity to get away. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I took off back towards the gym, and he, he came back and was like, whoa, 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 where are you going? And uh, I walked back to him, and he said, uh, Dwayne Allen, I know exactly who you are. Your name, you know, echoes in these halls. And I'm not talking about for your athletic ability. He said, uh, now here go $10. You can take these $10, you can go buy a bag of dope, smoke with your friends, have a good old time. Or you can take this $10 and go get a physical. And I'll see you at practice on Monday. So he hands me the $10 and he walks off. I take the $10, head off to the gym, have my PE time, have a great time. I get home later that night, though, and uh, I'm talking to my mom. And I say, hey, mom, look what I got. I got $10 from school today. She said, who are you stealing from? I said, I ain't stealing, mom. I said, the head football coach gave it to me. She said, football? You don't play no fool's ball. (laughs) (laughs) You don't play no football. Uh, And I said, uh, I know, but uh, he gave me $10 to get a physical. At that time, he was the first male, black, white, doesn't matter, yellow, to invest in me. And that meant something to me. Mm -hmm. So I I told her, I was like, you know, I think I might want to give it a shot. She said, well, baby, if you want to. We can go get a physical this weekend. Uh, I go and I get the physical, and Monday I'm in practice. And wow. And had never played football? No. Yeah. no. Did physicals cost $10 back then? Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, they had a little, you know, different, you know, health clinics would, yeah. you know, give $10 physicals to high school players, you know. Yeah. That type of deal. Yeah. Okay. So. so you're out for football on Monday. You probably didn't know how to put pads on or anything, did you? Uh, nah. Nah. I mean, I knew how to throw a helmet, throw a helmet on. Uh, of course, put pants on, but put the pads in there and stuff like that. I was a little foreign. Yeah. Um, what position did you think you would play? I had no idea. Yeah. Had no idea. I hit a little growth spurt. So I was probably standing like 6'1", 100. 80 pounds, a little bigger kid. Yeah. Um, For a freshman and, in high school, that's yeah, pretty big. Yeah. So he started me out at linebacker. You know, I just ran around and hit people. And later in the year, they tried me on offense. And <laughs> I remember one game, it was the first game I played tight end. And <laughs> it was horrible. We were playing like the Crosstown Rivals. And uh, they had this play called tight end dump. And I could not track the ball for anything. So they was just like, Dwayne, just run straight. You know, Richard's going to throw you the ball over the top. So the first time I run straight, he throws me the ball over the top, intercepted by the safety. I'm like, dang, I almost had that one. Wasn't close. <laughs> Second time, Dwayne, just run straight. Richard's going to throw you the ball over the top. So I'm running. I'm like, all right. Oh, I turn my head. I see the ball. I look straight. I see the defender. I look up. I see the ball. Then I look straight, and I see the defender, and he squatted with his hands out, and the ball falls into his hands. I'm just like, dang, I almost had that one. Wasn't close. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, man, we ended up throwing like four interceptions on that same play. <laughs> so my, my debut at tight end my freshman year was terrible. Is this on a varsity team? No, nah, this is on, okay. this is on JV. Team. This was on JV, JV. Okay. yeah. But I was a, a pretty good defensive end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Did you like to hit people? Yeah. You like the contact? I liked the contact. I liked to hit people. and. Finished the year, had a great solid se- had a solid season as a freshman, and went up to varsity for the playoffs. Terry Sanford made the playoffs for the first time in 
20 years or something like that, something ridiculous. You know, after the season, ended up losing in the first round, but after the season, head coach came to me. He was just like, you're going to be my tight end next year. I was just like, tight end? Did you not see the South of you game? <laughs> and uh, at the time, he had a guy who was pretty big and was getting some interest from colleges uh, playing tight end. So I was just like, why does he want me to play tight end? Uh, you have Miguel, who was 6'5", 240 pounds. Just like, yo, this guy's a monster. You want me to play tight end? But he was like, yeah. And so I got in the weight room. And that spring of my uh, freshman year was the first time I lifted weights. Mm. And I just got after it. And I went in benching like 160. By the time football season was kicking off the next year, I was I was uh, up 40 pounds in my weight. She might have even been 50. I was around 230 and had benched. My bench increased by like 80 pounds, was benching 240, 250, and felt strong. And, you know, I had a great year my sophomore year. Uh, only 15 catches, but it went for like 400 and some yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But had a great year. And after that year, North Carolina State offered me a scholarship. And I was just like, they did what? Like, what does this mean? You know, because yeah. no one in my family had gone to college. No one in my family had probably dreamt of going to college. But Coach Emmons put that seed in my head. He said, Dwayne, you, in order to change a generation, you have to change the standard. The standard can no longer be getting a GED or a high school diploma. It has to, you have to change it. You have to change it for the next generation and, and set the standard at graduating from college. And so, uh, you know, and, and he, he mentored me like that every, every day because, you know, while, while I was doing well on the football field, I still had my struggles in the classroom. <laughs> so he would walk by the classroom every day and would look in, make sure, number one, I was awake. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, uh, well, excuse me, I should say, number one, that I was in there (laughs) and haven't been sent to the office. Number two, that I was awake. Um, And then number three, if I was uh, participating in answering questions. He he also, you know, was the first guy who told me I I was intelligent. He was like, Dwayne, you you have a brain. And I was just like, I do? <laughs> I have a brain? But uh, so, yeah, he, uh, he, he encouraged me to work hard in the classroom, harder than I did on the field. And I, and, and I started to do that. And I started to see the improvement. And the C's and D's went to A's and B's. And the scowls from the teachers became smiles whenever they saw me come into the classroom. But he he had to intercept a lot of write ups to the office to, <laughs> to keep me in school because uh, the, the teachers were were still sending me to the office. But uh, Coach Emman and the athletic director at the time, Johnny Gibbs, uh, helped me out a ton, and they saw something in me and wanted to help me. Allen picks a college. Finally. When one-on-one continues.
you for making me struggle. Thank you for making me cry. Back on one-on-one, Mark Monte through the Colts tied in Dwayne Allen. He was a prized recruit coming out of high school. He visited the likes of Georgia, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, North Carolina, and North Carolina State. But he fell in love with Clemson. It was hard to say no to Georgia, though, because he had established a close relationship with the Bulldogs head coach, Mark Richt. But when it came right down to it, he had to make a difficult choice. I was going to announce uh, that I was going to Clemson and not Georgia. And I get up there on the podium and I'm speaking. My mom kind of has like on a orange shirt and a friend of mine is in the back. He got on an orange striped shirt and that's Clemson colors. And uh, I get up there and get cold feet. I throw the Clemson hat, put on the Georgia hat and say, I'm going to Georgia. Oh, wow. Uh huh. <laughs> so then uh, I get home and my mom say, <laughs> my mom say, boy, are you crazy? <laughs> what you mean, ma? She like, there's no way you wanted to go to Georgia. You didn't sound believable to me. You, you darn sure didn't sound believable to anyone else in that room. I said, yeah, ma, you're right. I just don't want to let Coach down. And she said, baby, if if he love you, like I know he does, he'll understand. So signing day comes. I uh, get all dressed up and head over to the school. And the first place I go is to Coach's office. And he has the uh, letters of intent sitting out, so, which is going to be both with his country southern accent and said pops i'm going to clemson and that was the hardest decision to that point that i had ever had to make mm-hmm. but it helped me mature yeah it helped me grow because you did what you felt was right for you right was he disappointed a little a little and, and the thing that got to him was that i didn't give another kid the opportunity to go to georgia because oh yeah! Deciding on signing day. Yeah, if you decided earlier, that would have opened up a scholarship for him. Exactly. So, uh, but what he did do, you know, he's big on life lessons. Uh, he was like, "Well, Dwayne, you're gonna have to call Coach Rick and tell him yourself." And I was just like, "Yo, he's gonna know as soon as you know we have cameras and stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of media coverage." He was like, "No, no, no. You're gonna call Coach Rick right now and let him know that." You're not coming. So I called him up, and this is why I said Coach Rick is, you know, one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. I called him, and he said, well, Dwayne, are you a are you a dog or a tiger? I said, I'm a tiger coach. He replied, congratulations. I'm excited for you. I'm happy you were able to come to a, a decision. I wish nothing but the best for your career and your family. Take care, and God bless. Let's you off easy. Such a such a class act. Yeah. Because so, you'd kind of driven him crazy with all your indecision and yeah, yeah. changing your mind. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so then I went on and signed, and, man, I get to Clemson, and, again, I'm like, okay, fresh start. <laughs> fresh start. And, uh, nah, I'm in trouble, man. You got in trouble there, yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, trouble just have its way of finding me, man. I try to hide, and it just always finds me. And uh, What did you do there to get in trouble? Just with the coaches. 
with the coaches and the football team. Uh, you know, I wanted to play. I was a big-time recruit. And, uh, one of Clemson's uh, biggest that year, we had a great year signed, Daquan Bowers, who was, like, number one player in the country. And a couple good running backs. And then there was Dwayne Allen, the tight end, who switched his verbal commitment on signing day. And all those guys were expected to come in and start right away. Well, you know, that didn't happen. Right. Tommy Bowden ended up getting fired. They allowed me to travel uh, to away games. Uh, usually red shirts don't travel. They told me that I was going to redshirt as soon as Tommy Bowden got fired. Um, but they allowed me to travel because they thought I was going to transfer. <laughs> <laughs> and you might have probably. Uh, yeah, knowing the hot head, big shot head, I, I thought I thought I was uh, back then. Um, I definitely would have. Um, but so – Man, I I had a rough rough first semester. I didn't I didn't want to go to class. You know, I wasn't playing football. What I had, you know, signed to go there for, I was just a practice dummy basically. My niece had died. Um, and I have 16, 17 nieces and nephews. Mm. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge. But my niece had died and she was so close to me cuz she had lived with me throughout high school. And so that that hurt me big time, and um, I acted out. I, I did whatever I wanted, when I wanted, didn't listen to the coaches, and I uh, almost found myself back in Fayetteville after that freshman semester. Had like a .6 GPA um, at the end of the fall semester, uh, just from the fall. Luckily, I took some summer classes, so uh, I didn't get kicked out of school. But uh, I was close. But, man, we uh, they let me travel to the bowl game that year, and uh, we played in the Gator Bowl, and it was, like, on January 1st. So I'm sitting in my hotel room the night before the game, knowing that I wasn't going to play the next game. But man, I made my New Year's resolution. I said I'm going to do whatever it takes to become the best tight end in the country. And that's kind of when I started straightening up and developing professional habits. You know, I felt like if my ultimate goal was to become a professional football player, why not treat this like an internship? Yeah. Why not develop professional habits? And so my lifting regimen changed, my eating regimen changed over time. And shoot, by my junior year, uh, the start of my junior year, I was touted as one of the top tight ends in the country. And then uh, I go out and have an All-American season. Um, finished the year, uh, the John Mackey recipient. Mm -hmm. Top um, tight end in the country. Yeah, and uh, consensus All-American. My team won the ACC championship, first time in 20 years. And, uh, man, just had a blast. Had a blast my last season. But had, uh, had garnered all the accolades that I wanted, that I could, and, you know, felt that it was time for me to – accept another challenge mm -hmm. and to move on. And so I declare for the NFL draft. And before I declared, you, as an underclassman, you submit your papers to see where they they think you might go. Mm -hmm. And they say in the papers, like, these are not final. These are just predictions where we think your talents could be selected. And uh, so uh, I get back a first-round grade, and I'm like, uh, can't pass this opportunity up. And uh, so I thank the Clemson family, the uh, Clemson fans and community 
um, for accepting me. And, you know, my biggest thing with leaving Clemson, I wanted to leave Clemson a better place than when I came. And after winning an ACC championship and helping them to a BCS uh, bowl game, I did just that. I did a lot of things in the community while I was at Clemson and, and really, really enjoyed my time there. Allen enters the NFL draft, but faces another disappointment when one-on-one -on -one continues. We are back on one-on-one. -on -one. Mark Monteith here with Colts' second-year tight end, Dwayne Allen. He entered the NFL draft after winning the Mackey Award at Clemson, and all the feedback he got from NFL teams indicated he'd go in the first round. But thanks to his time in the 40-yard dash, he didn't. So the Colts got him in the third round. And by the time Jim Mersey called to say hello, he was in no mood to talk. Claire for the draft. Fast forward to draft night, man. Yeah, well, fast forward to the combine. Uh, through training, I wasn't running the time that I wanted or that I that I felt that I played at. So I was very discouraged about the 40. But, you know, uh, my trainer and my agent kept telling me, like, it's okay, Dwayne. They'll, they'll watch the film. They'll see the caliber of player you are through the way that you played throughout the season. So I took them for their word and went to the combine as I expected, ran a terrible 40. Not as good as you were capable, right? Uh, right, right, right. Ran 4-9, something like that. Just terrible. How many chances do you get when you run two. the 40? You got two, two shots at it. Two. You yeah. get two. And what what do you think you were capable of running? Like, uh, um, what did you run? Man, I, well, through training, I, that was very similar to what I ran in training. Okay. So the times are what, what, what they are. You just don't but happen I know to that when I play – I play way faster than that time. Mm -hmm. You know, I create mismatches. I get separation. I'm able to to be a difference maker on the field. And usually, when you see that four nine time from a tight end, he's more of your blocker. He's not a difference maker. He's just a guy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be seen as that blocking tight end or you know just a yeah. primarily blocker. I wanted to be that versatile tight end that I was at Clemson. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew I could be on the next level. So. Uh, was upset, but was like, hey, whatever. The time's the time. Let me go out and show them. So we had position drills, went through position drills, caught almost every ball, and so the combine was over. <sighs> One of the most stressful times of my <laughs> yeah. life, man. Yeah. Um, you think you're being evaluated by any and everything. So, you know, you drink a water, you drink water, and you don't want to spill. You know, <laughs> while you're drinking, you're just like, let me make sure every drop gets in my mouth. Um, <laughs> But yeah, then we have pro day, and you know a lot of teams. We uh, every all thirty two teams were represented. Had a couple GMs. Uh, head coach Rex Ryan was out there, and you know uh, we're there to watch myself. And we had another high profile guy, defensive end, who went in the second round to the Jaguars, Andre Branch. But we're out there to watch us perform, and uh, everyone wanted me to run another forty. 
And I said, you know, I, I ran my last 40 at the combine. The time is what it is. Uh, I don't feel like it's going to change. And I decided to concentrate on position drills, and that's what I did. And I went out and I caught every ball. I ran every route, Chris. I uh, demolished the pad in the blocking drills and <laughs> uh, felt like I had a solid pro day. But by that time, uh, I had dropped a little bit from number one tight end to the number two. And then uh, Kobe Fleener had yet to show them what he had. So like everyone else, I'm, I'm waiting to see because he was also touted as one of the top tight ends throughout the year. And his pro day comes on and the guy heights at six sits. I'm just like, you know, I had it at six three. I'm not too bad. <laughs> you know, he weighed in at 250, 252. I was just like, oh, I weighed in at 255. I'm good. Then he goes and he runs the 40. And he runs a 445. Ooh. And I'm just <laughs> like, ah, he got me. <laughs> he got you good on that. He one. got me. He got me. Um <laughs> And uh, jumped to vertical, jumped like a 38 or something ridiculous. Just a tremendous athlete, Kobe is. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, he's definitely tight end gone. The first tight end gone. So then draft night comes. And uh, the f- first night is the first round. And I'm thinking, like, you know, New York needs a tight end. So possibly there. And even though Kobe was on the board, I was like, you know, he, he doesn't fit their scheme. I, I fit their scheme, maybe. First round goes by, New York end up taking David Wilson, very talented, running back out of Virginia Tech. The next night was the second and third round, so I'm like, I get a call from my head football coach, Dabos, when he's like, hey, you're going to be gone early, man. I'm excited for you. Wish you nothing but uh, luck tonight. And I was just like, appreciate it, coach. Hang up, and the Colts pick second. I'm like, ah, you know, Kobe Fleener's still on the board. I know they need tight end. Relation to luck, and sure enough, second pick comes up in the second round. They take Kobe. I'm just like, cool. He's off the board. Good. You're next. I'm the next one up. And uh, the picks kept rolling in. And I'm looking at my agent like, yo, where do you think I'm going to go? He's looking at me like, I don't know. Where do you think you're going to go? You Are know? you at home uh, watching I'm, the draft? I'm at I'm, – I'm at uh, – I'm actually in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, with uh, an extended family. Okay. Who uh, my the recruiting core, my, my recruiting coordinator who recruited me to Clemson. He uh, he told my mom that he would uh, take care of. Okay. Take care of me, and okay. he did just that. Him and his wife, his wife Keila, I love her. She's my second mom, um, and so I decided to take my mom and coach him and his wife down to uh, down to Tuscaloosa to get away from distractions and. Because I knew it was going to be a very stressful time, which mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take them down there, and we're all down there hanging out. And you know, the second round is rolling by, and I'm just like, man, you know, it's like pick 42. I'm like, okay, my next shot is at 55 with Atlanta. You know, Tony Gonzalez is getting old. I could just, you know, be the be the next one in there. Well, 55 comes along, and they pick uh, Peter Cons, the center from Wisconsin. And I'm just like, man. It's going to be a long night. So I by that time I get up, go to the kitchen, start fixing me something to eat. Pick 62, the Giants are back on the clock, and my phone ring. I'm just like, Whoa. thank you, Lord. I'm a Giant. I look at the phone, and it says, Indianapolis, Indiana, 317. 
uh, maybe someone in the Giants organization has an Indianapolis number. Yeah. So I pick up and they say, uh, hold on for Mr. Ursay. And I'm just like, explicit. It's the Colts. And uh, my agent is jumping for joy. He's like, yeah, man, yeah. I'm upset. I'm like, yo, they just picked the tight end. Why are they picking me? They went 2-14 and 14 last year. This is not the situation I want to come into. Um, those are my immediate thoughts. And uh, soon after, talking to the coaches, I was very nonchalant, just upset. I'm like, yo, why, why are you picking me? You, you just got a tight end. Why me? I hang up the phone and realize how blessed I was that I got a phone call. And I drop down to my knees and I say thank you. And then I celebrate with my family. And the next morning I call my position coach, Alfredo Robinson. I say, hey, man, I apologize for, you know, my nonchalantness on the phone. I'm excited as heck uh, to be an Indianapolis Colt. And I look forward to uh, getting there and showing you that, you know, I, I can not only be the best tight end on this team, but the best tight end in the National Football League. And uh, here I am at the end of year two. <laughs> oh, excuse me, at the end of going into year two. Going yeah. into year two. Yes, you and, are. Uh, yes, you are. Did you, what did you say to Jim Irsay? You, those thoughts you expressed, were those verbalized to him? That uh, It was just more of, uh, you know, usually you see on TV when a guy gets that phone call, how excited he was, yeah. you know, the cameras are in his face. I had the ESPN and NFL Network there in my face, and my facial expression was just, like, dull. Yeah. And I'm talking, and they're like, we're excited to have you, and I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, too. <laughs> Didn't sound very excited. Didn't sound like it, but you said um, it. Yeah. I guess at that point, Jim Mercy's probably hanging up the phone thinking, God, this guy doesn't want to be with us. You know, we, we just made a mistake. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not sure, man, but I definitely uh, am very thankful. Well, it's worked out great because they run the kind of offense that is suitable for you, and you got one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Exactly. It's exactly. worked out. I woke up that – you know, it's like I said, when I, once I hung up the phone, I realized how blessed I was to – and want to get that call, then number two to be coming in with an elite quarterback. Yeah, in your rookie year, you had 45 catches for 521 yards and three touchdowns. So you got to be pretty happy with that for a rookie uh, year. Man, very, very happy, very happy. But uh, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, um, There were a lot of plays left out. Not too many balls, but you know, my, my, my job and my plan and the way that I think is I want to catch them all. I want to catch them all and leave no doubt. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's my goal coming into year two, uh, catch every ball thrown to me. But that 40 time is what got you, right? That, that 40 That's what time. dropped you to the third round. Even yeah. though you were the best college tight end in the country, according to the Mackey voters, you dropped because of that 40 time. Yeah, man. That's why I hate the combine to this day. I can't watch <laughs> it. The combine, you know, combine time of the year, I don't turn the TV on. Yeah. I don't want to see it. What If you were to go out and run a 40 – you know, in training camp, would you still run a four? Man, I have or I have no idea. I've 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 definitely had um, some training, some speed training that have taught me to extend, uh, which would I, I believe help my forty. But man, I I don't plan on running another forty the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I'm unless it's forty yard. It's a forty yard bomb, and Andrew's throwing it to me over the top for a touchdown. That's yeah. the only kind of forty I'm running. Do you and Kobe get along well? Get along great. 
get along great. You know, I, you know, I don't hold anything against Kobe. Oh no, for getting selected before I me, mean, he didn't select himself. Right. Um, you know, I, I have a chip on my shoulder with the 32 teams that passed up on me. Yeah. You know, I- including um, the Colts, even though I'm grateful for them selecting me. But, you know, that chip's going to be on my shoulder you know, the rest of my career. You still draw motivation from that, don't you? Exactly. You still feel slighted. Exactly. Still something to prove. Yep. What do you expect from your NFL career when you're all done? I want to be one of the greatest to uh, ever play the position. And I want to be recognized as a complete tight end. When, when they say, you know, top tight ends, I want to be listed amongst the top tight ends, uh, amongst the Tony Gonzalez's, the John Mackey's, the, you know, Meyer, Tony, uh, Antonio Gates, um, uh, a guy that can do it all. And I want them to say that this guy had it all. He could, he could be your, you know, extra left tackle in the game for pass protection. He was a mean uh, and tough and productive run blocker and, you know, he also was a heck of a receiving tight end. One on one with Dwayne Allen continues in a moment. Well, thanks to Dwayne Allen for sharing his story. How about that story, huh? You know, every now and then you meet an athlete who's overcome incredible odds to make it in his sport. And Allen's certainly one of those guys. You have to wonder, where would he be today if not for the high school coach who confronted him in the hallway and presented him with a $10 bill and a challenge? He's the third person I've talked to at the show who was pulled out of a high school hallway and convinced to go out for a sport. Former Pacer center Mel Daniels, who went into the Hall of Fame last fall, and current Pacers forward David West have similar stories of having their lives redirected by a high school coach. You do have to wonder if we'd ever heard of any one of them if not for that. And, of course, wonder about all the other kids who could have made it if they had had a coach do the same for them. Or listen to a coach who tried. Now, if you missed part of Alan's story or want to hear one of the others in the one-on-one archive, go to 1070thefan.com. Click on shows, click on one-on-one, click on the podcast link, and they're all there for you 24 hours a day. You can reach me by email at mark at 1070thefan.com, and I'm available on Facebook and Twitter. That Twitter handle is at Mark Monteith. And I'll be back again next week to do it all over again, right here on FM 107.5 and 1070 The Fan.com.